Welcome back to the Encouraging the Conversation podcast. This is the HealthWise podcast. We encourage the conversation around wellness and resilience. This is episode 12. And again, guys, we have an amazing guest today joining me for our session as co-host. As always, we have Anna all the way from HealthWise Americas. Welcome, Anna. Hey, Ross. How are you doing today? Super good and really excited for our chat today. Can you introduce our guest today? Absolutely. I can't wait to speak to her. It's Andrea Razico, all the way from the USA, everybody. Andrea, tell us a little bit, I guess, about your flight center history, how long you've been around, and then we'll get into some of the content. And then I think, Ross, you have a little game for us too, right? I would love to. Thanks for having me, guys. So my flighty path, I sit in the U.S., currently living in Rhode Island. I started with Flight Center back in 2013, I believe. No. Yep. 2013. I was a leisure agent for Liberty Travel, worked for two years, and then found an opportunity with Corporate Traveler to go and work on the After Hours team. So I was not one of the original members, but I was like the new cast that came on after the original three. And from there, I started the stage and screen after hours in the U.S. and ran that team through the pandemic. And then a year ago, my brightness of future, I found myself sitting in learning and development for the Americas. And I am currently a trainer who focuses on novices for U.S. and for Canada. Amazing. Yes. Nice. We're super excited to have you on today, Andrea. How we like to start these podcasts is with a really awesome game we like to call Healthwise Speed Dating. Because it's five days out from Christmas, they're going to be Christmas-themed questions. Are you open to answering some Healthwise Speed Dating questions today, Andrea? Absolutely. Let's do it. Awesome. So our first Christmas-themed question is, what's your favorite Christmas movie? Ooh, Christmas movie. So classic, I would go with the claymation Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. But if it's like a non-classic, Love Actually. Ooh, I have to agree with both of those. Nice. <laughs> nice. Great movies. And what's your favorite Christmas treat? Christmas treat. Ooh. I don't know that it's necessarily a treat, like a traditional treat, but to treat myself every Christmas morning, my mom has a tradition of making potato pancakes, and I only eat them once a year, Christmas morning, so I'm pretty excited to have one this year. Nice. That sounds super good. All right, let's get into our content for today. And just to start us off with, Andrea, can you please share a bit about your personal journey, starting with the accident through to having ankle surgery? Tell us a bit about your journey. Absolutely. So I uh, was returning from a best friend's birthday celebration and I was hit head on by a drunk driver March 8th of 2015. He had left a party himself with his significant other and got on a major highway going the wrong direction in the high speed lane. He hit me and my now ex-husband going 75 miles an hour in the wrong direction on some curves. I saw it coming. I looked behind me, saw I couldn't get out of the way, and I pulled into the Jersey barrier as he pulled into me. So I know it's not normal really to live and bounce back from such situations, but I was fortunate enough to only have my leg destroyed <laughs> and my life intact. 
I spent two months in the hospital. I had actually just started with Corporate Traveler after hours at that point. I'd only probably been an employee for four months with Corporate Traveler and had to take FMLA. Spent the first month trying to rebuild and save my leg. The second month was spent in a rehabilitation hospital learning how to walk and do other occupational therapy tasks for my day-to-day. After that, I spent probably four months in OT and PT at home, trying to regain some sense of normalcy. And through all those appointments, obviously living in New England, we have a lot of medical hospitals and specialists. So I saw many specialists and the answer from the specialist was it was as good as it was ever going to be. That I didn't have any options for an ankle replacement. I was should just fuse my ankle and just accept that that was the answer because technology was not there. And at the time, I mean, I was much younger, but I'm now 42. And so in that time, technology has since advanced. But I, I am very, um, I would say, determined and a little stubborn. So in this case, it worked out for me because I waited. But yeah, I spent months rehabbing, work, getting back into work. And I always say I'm very thankful for my flighty family because I had a team that barely knew me, a team that knew me well. And working from home was, in hindsight, the best decision I ever made in those early years because without it, I wouldn't have been employed, quite frankly. But yeah, the drunk driver hit me. He had zero liability in the end, other than his girlfriend did die. Unfortunately, she passed from her injuries she sustained. And after all the court cases, it was determined that he didn't have insurance. The venue he was drinking at was not insured and no longer in business. And I was on my own going forward for anything medical and any repairs. The actual injury I sustained other than concussion, cuts, contusions, all those things, I had a compound fracture in my ankle to which my bones went in one direction and my foot went in the other, and they did their best to repair it. After months and months of PT, I was able to go back to work. And then I had to have another surgery. They decided I needed a bone graft for one of the bones in my leg that didn't heal properly. And when they went in, they actually found that I had various infections in the hardware that was holding my leg together. So I ended up having all the pins, all the rods removed, and I had staph and strep infections, if you can believe it, in my leg from post-injury. And when I woke up thinking it was just a quick surgery, they were like, well, it did not go as planned. Infectious diseases is coming in. And I ended up with a pick line for two months in the hospital for eight days trying to clear out the infection in some aggressive antibiotics. So it has been quite the journey, to say the least. Holy mackerel. It sounds like a long journey. You're going back to 2015. Was there a moment of realization that prompted you to take action? Like what was the action that you needed to do to get to where you are today? Like you're just days away from getting your dream surgery that they said was never going to happen. Was there like one moment or was it just a combination of all of these different steps on the journey? I would say it was a journey of many ups and downs. And one of the moments of my journey that I particularly remember is I was with my specialist that did the surgery and he had said to me point blank that morbidly obese people do not live into the golden years and that 
there would never be an ankle replacement for me because it was not an option technology-wise and weight-wise because at that time I was morbidly obese and my weight dictated that I would never have that option. So the smart aleck that I can be, when backed in a corner, I said, well, what do you expect me to do? And he's like, well, lose weight. And I'm like, I'm in a wheelchair and I can't walk. How am I supposed to lose weight? And there were some explicit words that I'll leave out. And he said, well, if you want anything bad enough, you will figure it out. And I left that appointment pretty defeated. And at that point had actually gone on to two other specialists that said all the same things. So many years of depression, I'm not going to lie. That was a really hard time. It was very dark. It was the fall of my marriage because I went like more of a reckless. I didn't leave the house. I was afraid to leave the house when I was able to drive. I didn't drive for a year and a half because I couldn't, not the trauma of it all, but I just physically couldn't. And unfortunately, my ex-husband chose alcohol as his coping mechanism, and it ended in the total deterioration of our marriage because I moved forward and he stayed there. But I would say in the coming years, as I left my husband and went on my own wellness journey, I luckily found our eight-week challenge. So I know there's a lot of years in between, but I tried all the other diets. I yo-yoed. I did all the things. But honestly, nothing stuck. It just didn't make sense. And I wasn't feeling it. I just wasn't dedicated to it. So when Anna did the eight-week challenge here in the U.S. with us, and we had some individual sessions talking about keto, talking about options, at that point, the light was lit under me. I was ready. Like I wanted to make a change. I didn't know how to make a change. And years of different disordered eatings and learned behaviors that I just didn't know weren't the right thing to do came to light. So I focused pretty hard on it. And thanks to Anna, like I really got that jump start I needed and with HealthWise and the eight-week challenge. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing. We love that um, love that plug too. About that. Yeah, eight-week challenge, <laughs> Andrea. Uh, so obviously, um, motivation can be really tough when it comes to different journeys. And how did you stay motivated through the ups and downs of it all? I... Um... I recently was talking about this with someone and I'll say the thing that got me through those dark years was my family and my friends. I have two very close-knit friends that I have been friends with since elementary school and they were just always my people. And when you have a tragedy and wreck like I did, you truly know who's there for you and who will be your ride or dies, lack of a better term. So I definitely was very lucky to have a very strong family base as well. My sister has two little boys and I did not have my own children, still don't. But for them, I focused on getting better because it was important to them to have their TT around. So I definitely had them as a big motivation. My nephew, Nathan, was very small when I got hit. He was only oh God, like 10 months old? No, nine months old. Because in rehab, when he was 10 months old, he started taking his first steps. And I started taking my first steps because at this point, I am going on to relearning how to walk for the third time when I have my surgery next week. But yeah, definitely family and friends are big motivators. Wow. Andrew, what about like your mental health? Like how did you maintain, you know, a positive mindset through this whole weight loss journey, like it's been a long time, right? Yeah. Were there any mental health aspects that maybe you focused on more? Like, were there any tricks or tips that helped you on those tougher days? 
100%. I am a big advocate for mental health and wellness. I am very fortunate to have an amazing therapist that I have been seeing for over 11 years now. And I know how lucky that is because it it's like speed dating right there. Not every therapist is for everyone. So if I could give anyone a message on mental health is it's not the end all. You go to one person, you don't click. It's okay. Date around and find another doctor and get what you need. So my doctor, I can tell you, well, therapist, in the early stages of my accident, actually, they finally gave me my phone back probably like day two or three. I was on Demerol, so I don't know what they were thinking, but I guess I demanded it. And one of the first text messages I sent was the news article of the wreck showing my car. And I said, hey, I'm going to need you. I didn't die, but things aren't good. And she, to this day, still has that message. I don't remember sending it, but my therapist was actually one of the first people I texted from my hospital bed. And knowing that I have that mental health support, I am definitely an anxious bunny. I'm an anxious person all day long. And it just brought out a whole new level of anxiety, honestly, because for me, being an anxious person, I didn't want to ask questions, answer questions. And everyone, I, people mean the best, but they ask so many intrusive questions. Like I didn't want to go to the grocery store because people would ask why I was in a mobility cart. In my mental status, I was like, they're just going to think I'm some fat person that's lazy. And like, that was my mentality. I was like, I don't want to be looked at as a lazy fat person. Like, I'm not lazy. I just can't move. And there's some days I look perfectly fine, even right now. But my ankle pain is so horrendous being bone on bone with no good structure to it. There are days I still, I don't do it. I don't do the mobility cart, but I do have a handicap placard and I'll use it. And I just remember people, I've had instances where someone asked me who I thought I was using someone else's handicap placard. And I looked at this gentleman and I said, you know, sir, I'm going to take that as a compliment that I'm having a good day and you can't tell that I've had to relearn to walk and have my foot reattached. So I hope that you never have to deal with any kind of trauma. And I hope this is a lesson to not make assumptions. And I walked away. And to this, like, I will advocate for anyone. You don't know what someone's struggle is. And outwardly, sure, I look like I'm fine, but my ankle is not existent at this point. So for me, the mental health piece was always a huge, huge piece for me to focus on to leave the house because you can be a shut. I was a shut in for a little while. It got too hard to get out. And I actually with my therapist, the best thing I could say she ever did in that whole aspect was is we worked out a token answer. So I had a set answer for anyone that asked me, oh, you're on crutches. Oh, you have a cane. Oh, you're using a walker. You look really young. And I would just say, well, unfortunately, I was hit head on by a drunk driver. I am surviving and I'm lucky enough to be here. And thanks for noticing. I'm going to be just fine. That was my answer. I gave it to everyone. And there would be follow-up questions. And I'm not going to lie. There was definitely a vacation that someone asked me and I told them it was a shark bite and walked away. <laughs> but Sometimes you get bored and creative because it's just, it's on repeat, right? So, but the mental health piece, really, if I can advocate for anything, is there's no shame in getting help and finding out ways to cope and using tools to get where you need to be. Yeah, love that. Other advocacy forum support systems. And what sort of lifestyle changes did you make to, to achieve such an amazing um, transformation, Andrea? What sort of lifestyle changes did you have to install? First and foremost, I broke up with Crumble Cookies. I took a whole bunch of apps off my phone, including Uber Eats and DoorDash and 
anything that enabled me to have pop-ups, Taco Bell app, you name it, I took them off. I was very lucky. I am very lucky to have a very supportive partner now at this point. Because when I started my journey, I don't have a documented start weight because I stopped going to the doctors after I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes and high blood pressure and high cholesterol and was on nine different medications. So I stopped going to the doctors. And the highest weight that I have documented was 398 at my highest and most painful time. And I know it went higher because my clothes got bigger. So it definitely, I started a really high number. And to date, I'm at 165 pounds down. 80 pounds of that is since April. So I started my wellness journey on my own with the eight-week challenge. I dropped 15 pounds, I believe, in the eight-week challenge. And then I just, I had a friend reach out. She was doing a medically backed meal plan. And she was like, hey, I know you're doing it on your own, but there's a huge piece of community here. And maybe this is something for you. And I said, well, if it works for you, I trust you. So I handed over my credit card and started another program, which I now currently actually coach on it as my side hustle. And with that, I've lost an additional 80 pounds since April 10th. And now I had to be under a certain weight, under 250 pounds actually, for my surgery. And my doctor at the time was like, oh yeah, you got this, no big deal. And I was like, uh, I weigh over 300 pounds. And he was like, first of all, I had no idea, you carry it really well. And I was like, thanks, I guess. But he was like, well, if you make it happen, then I'm here for you. I had some unrelated to my accident injuries that were related to being type 2 diabetic. And my blood sugars were completely out of control. And my, I got a cut actually on vacation two years ago in Aruba that never healed. And out of shame, I never went to a doctor. I just kept putting Band-Aids and Neosporin and hoping for the best. And it just started randomly bleeding one day. And I was like, I guess I have to go to a doctor now. And I went to the podiatrist. And for me, I'm a, with my anxiety, I need to know the worst case scenario. Because if it's not the worst case scenario, I can deal with anything else. And I sat in his office. He'd never met me before. And he's like, well, worst case scenario is you're going to lose your toe. And I started hysterically crying. And he looked at his medical assistant and he's like, can you go get her a lollipop? And I stopped crying and I was like, what? A lollipop? And he's like, lollipops and water. It saves you every time. <laughs> I had a water and a lollipop. And I was very fortunate. He, I did not lose my toe. He got my stuff under control. I got my blood sugars under control and it was able to be fixed. And a year ago, actually, we had to have a surgery on my toe to remove a bone to fix it. And he was like, well, once you drop the weight, we're going to do the ankle because it's here. And I cried. I was like, there's no ankle for me. Like, that's not a real thing because I had already resigned to the fact that this is as good as it was going to get. And he was like, I'm a pretty cocky surgeon and there's some new technology out there. And I am confident that I can get you a 3D printed ankle joint that will be custom to you and your life will be back to normal as long as you're not trying to be a triathlete. And I was like, well, if I'm running, you should be concerned. So if I can just walk without pain, that's my baseline goal. So here we are. Fast forward. I'm going to be getting that ankle. Wow. So losing weight definitely positively affected your health overall. I'm guessing mental, but obviously physical. Was there anything else that change for you with the weight loss in your life? I would say yes. I started focusing on me 
I've always been a people pleaser. And I think that's just the fat girl in me. I was always like, well, if I do all the nice things, if I don't say no, if I help everyone, then who's going to have anything bad to say about me? I'm just always going to be that nice person they can count on. So really, I made myself a doormat for years and had horrible boundaries. And in the last three years, I would say, well, I turned 40 and said, you know what? The first 40 years, I focused on everyone else and lived a life that wasn't mine. I attached myself to other people's life because my life just wasn't worth living the way it was at that point in my marriage. And I started establishing healthy boundaries. I started saying no. I, if it did not serve me, it was not for me. And if it wasn't for my growth, it wasn't going to make it happen. So I just kind of put those boundaries in place. So definitely losing the weight. I will say I felt more confident when I was bigger, which sounds a little crazy maybe, but people liked me. I'm not an ugly girl. I'm a pretty girl. And I used to always get, oh, well, you're so pretty, even though you're fat. And I'm like, it doesn't, just because I'm fat doesn't mean I'm not pretty. It just means I got a little bit extra fluff. So things like that would happen. And now that those aren't an issue, it's almost weirder now because I'm a little less confident because I'm not, which sounds a little, I guess it does sound weird, but because now I'm just average. I'm not that cute fat girl that people see and the, the loud girl in the crowd and you see me out there. I'm more reserved. But for the best. But it does feel weird saying it. <laughs> Body dysmorphia is very real. <laughs> and the weight loss journey obviously impacted your eligibility for the surgery, Andrew. You said that was it was under 250 pounds meant that you could get the surgery. Would it affect any other eligibility criteria? Like did it speed it up with the weight loss journey or what sort of um, tell us a bit about that. Insurance would not even consider an ankle replacement if I did not hit that weight loss. So at first I was like, that's not going to happen. I've never, like, I've never been a small person. And I just, at first I was like, all right, well, if it happens, it happens. Like I wanted it, but I was more scared to work towards it, I think. Because if you put those limitations on yourself, then you can't get hurt. And then if you have to put in that work and work that much harder, it's worth it now sitting here. But it was a scary thing at first. Also being type two, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, I made a decision that was probably a terribly reckless decision that I stopped all medication about three years ago. I just stopped. I didn't like taking Wellbutrin. I was steps away from insulin and I just couldn't do it. I didn't want to stick myself with a needle every day and everything made me sick. So I don't recommend it, but I went off on medication and my doctor's like, well, we have to worry about the implications of type two diabetes. And if they see your diabetic, they may not give you the surgery. So at that point I worked really hard. And that's when I reached out to Anna, because I was like, listen, I need to do something. I need to lose weight. Like I need to make this happen. So the fact that I had my six month checkup a month ago with my primary care physician, my blood work is 100% perfect. I'm in all normal ranges. I am no, I will always be class classified as a type 2 diabetic, but it's on all my files. It's 100% diet and exercise maintained. And I am living a perfectly healthy life at this point, which is wild to think about because if you looked at my medical files from years ago, you wouldn't even know I was the same person. Wow. That's so incredible. Amazing. I just got shivers. That's amazing. You talked about your support from friends and family. So I want to ask you, what is the best thing someone did or someone said to help you on this journey anywhere along the way? 
So I would say first and foremost, Anna, and I've always kept Anna updated. I have. I've kept you updated on my journey because I was embarrassed to reach out to HealthWise initially because I was like, oh, that's so awkward. I don't want to like bare my soul to somebody. But I trusted the process. And you find a person, you find a lifeline. And when they just get you and you feel there's no judgment, it worked out. Like, Anna, you were integral in that for me to not feel judged and to be able to reach out in an employed setting even, like not even a personal setting. So it was a gamble and I did it. And that was definitely, you're definitely one of the people that kept me along the journey. I will say my partner early in our relationship, because he was he was overweight too, and he's since dropped 35 pounds. Well, I mean, by osmosis, because he eats what I make. But he said to me early on, his mother had passed away from a heart attack now 10 years ago. And he said, we found each other solely in life. I just want to be able to spend as much time with you and make up for less time. And I love you no matter what size you are, whatever the scale says, but I I know and you know it's not going to be conducive to a healthy life. And I like internalized it. I didn't take it personally, but like it was a scary moment because I had to actually own it myself and make those changes. And you will, for lack of better terms, believe your own bullshit until you call yourself out. And I did. I believed all of my own BS and No one ever in my family growing up, even when I was younger and chubby, called me out because no one wanted to hurt my feelings. And sometimes you need someone to hurt your feelings to ignite that fire and get you going. So although he didn't mean to hurt my feelings, he did a little. But at the same time, I realized it was actually out of love and it motivated me to keep going because I do want to get all the years I can and add years to my life. So fortunately, to have that partner say that really made a big impact for me. My goals moving forward, I um, I'm going to continue coaching because I I want to. I've been there. I've done all the things. I've failed all the diets, and it's not a diet. It's a wellness journey. Like I am on the journey for wellness. I, at the end of the day, now that I've hit the weight that I need to be on the scale for insurance to approve this ankle. I don't truly care about what the number says. I care about those non-scale victories. I want to know that I'm getting in the smaller jean sizes. I want to feel comfortable in my skin. I was able to go to Disney and the dreaded Universal. And if you are a chubby person, you will know Universal Studios is not fat friendly. They're super fat phobic. And if you're not small enough, you can't get on any of the rides. And this past December, I was able to get on every single ride at all the parks I went to. And that has never happened before because I didn't try at Universal because I was too scared because I don't know if anyone has dealt with being overweight, but there's even Facebook groups and people post pictures and their stats and their weight and their pictures of them on rides and rate rides at Universal Studios so that anyone that's anxious about going because they don't want to disappoint their family, they don't want to upset their children, they don't want to go and pay all this money and not be able to ride rides. It's awful. Like we've got a culture of people that are scared to go out and do things and just have fun and enjoy it because the anxiety around it is so great. So for me, my goal is to keep coaching, to keep telling people things get better, that things are options, and you just can't forget your why. My why is a big one. An ankle replacement to change my quality of life is huge. And everyone's why is exclusive to them. So if your why is to drop 10 pounds, then like, let's do it. If your why is to replace an ankle, do it. Like you can do anything you set your heart to and your mind to. You just have to be dedicated. But for me, definitely 
I would say my next steps, I think I have about 50 pounds left in me to lose. I'm not rushing towards that line. I'm My focus right now is on my health and my mental health and focusing on getting that ankle replacement, which will be on the 27th, two days after Christmas. And then I'll spend some time working remote healing and rehabbing, but I should be up and walking in a boot by week three if everything goes as planned. So, and then long-term, if I had to give a long-term, I really want to go play softball. I was a softball girl all my whole life. And in high school I played and I never did. So I would love to join a league with my um, nonprofit that I am on. The ladies of the nonprofit are all in the softball league. So that's my goal is to be able to play softball. And my doctor said, he's like, what's your goal physically? And I was like, if I could play softball next summer, I'd be happy. And he laughed. He's like, if that's your toughest goal, he's like, we can do that. That's not a problem. So such a good goal. And it's such a fun sport to play. That's a summer. Right. I mean, I'm a home run hitter kind of girl. Like get me up there. I want to hit. Last question for you, Andrea, what advice would you give to somebody who might be considering a weight loss journey for whatever health reasons it might be, whether it is an ankle replacement, it's to reduce their cholesterol, blood pressure, whatever it is. Do you have any sort of last words of advice for somebody listening? Do it for you. Don't worry about what anyone thinks. Everyone's journey is different and everything does not work for everyone. And I know for me, the program I work, it's 100% of the time you work the program, it works 100%. So you will find something that works for you. Find your community, find your support, whether it be a therapist, whether it be a Facebook group, whether it be, I don't know, anything, a in-person group, but just do it for you because you don't have to live under other people's perceptions of you. You're the one at the end of the day that has to live with you. So do what makes yourself proud. Great advice. Thanks. What an amazing guest you've been, Andrea. It was absolutely fascinating conversation. And I think no doubt anyone listening to this conversation is probably going to be a little bit inspired to do the eight-week challenge coming up, guys. So the 15th of January, we kick that off. Um, if you haven't signed up yet, make sure you do sign up and, and jump on board that journey. Andrea, again, thank you so much for being a guest today. Absolutely inspirational story. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you guys. Absolute legend, Andrea. Thank Best of you, luck thank for you. your surgery. So many gems in there. We're yes, always I will keep you guys updated. And I am in the current eight-week challenge since I have things to do. So you will see me posting and rehabbing and cheering you all on on your goals. And we are cheering you on on December 27th. So all the best of luck. Thanks, guys. There you have it, guys. That was episode 12 of the Encouraging the Conversation podcast. And what a fascinating chat it was, really highlighting the benefits of getting support with your journey, that accountability, and really never giving up on yourself. If you love today's podcast, please give it a like or a share. It really helps us out. And we'll catch you in the next one.